0: Welcome to another Round the Rotary uh, with me, uh, J.P. Warren, and uh, with us today we have Ryan Keyes, the co-founder and president of Triple Crown Resources, but before we begin, and this is the first time I've done this, um, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to say that Round the Rotary podcast is brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants. Uh, CPC specializes in project engineering and well-site supervision in all disciplines of the oil and gas industry. You can contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com to see what CPC can do for you today. Pretty good. Solid, man. I think that sounded great. Yeah. So anyway, so let's get back to it. So we got Ryan Keys, the co-founder and president of Triple Crown Resources. Thanks for coming in today, by the way, Ryan. No worries. I it appreciate was a, that.
1: It was a seven-block bicycle ride.
0: Um... Did you? So you, you were on your bike? Yes. I was waiting for that cold front to come through. Uh, I did, it didn't. I'm, it I'm, didn't. I'm sweating a little bit. We we got we're getting we're getting teased too much. It's like oh we got a hurricane coming. Just kidding. We got a cold front coming. Just, just kidding. kidding. Let's uh, let's get enough with that.
1: Just kidding. Weather still sucks. Weather's
0: yeah. Well that's Houston for you. Yeah. We were just talking about
1: it. if it was nine blocks I would have had to drive. Well
0: I, yeah I would have Ubered I and mean, yeah
1: I think that this might break even sweat point. It's about eight blocks something like that. I
0: think I'll Uber to take the trash out from back here. <laughs> From here to this front <laughs> thing, just because it's so hot.
1: Yeah, it, yeah it, Uber passenger rides in Houston go up as a function of ambient uh, temperature humidity.
0: That's you know what? That's 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 why I want to have you on today. Yeah, You're a very interesting, uh, very interesting gentleman. So let's. I'll tell you what. Let's get the uh, the, uh, the kind of what we start off with, and let's kind of get into it. Uh, um, you and I were talking a little bit before, and uh, again, thank you for coming on. Um, uh, Micah Renfro, who was a a guest on on the Round the Rotary podcast, uh, mentioned to reach out to you that you'd be a, a great uh, addition, yeah, a great guest. So uh, I guess let's kick this off. Why don't you tell us a little bit where you're from and and kind of give us a background on um, where you've been and kind of where you're at today? All
1: right. Well, um, yeah, and, and and Micah does know about. Ninety-eight percent of everyone in Houston, so and, and Austin and, and and Austin and yeah, t- Texas. He's popular. Te- Texas, yeah, a popular guy. Yeah, I just uh, grew up in grew up in Austin. Um, pretty unremarkable, uh, enjoyable childhood. Yeah, um, went to Austin High. It was uh, right there in the lake, across from West Lake.
0: And uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah.
1: Just just. Pretty pretty standard time, yeah. Unremarkable, I, I, I and I had a pretty badass childhood.
0: Well, it's a pretty good place to it, it is to be brought up. It is in Texas. It is, and, and
1: it's it is widely different now. And I'm, I'm not one of those, you know, townies who just complains about things changing. You know, I've got a bunch of friends who never left. They're like, well, I'd like Austin how it used to be, and it's like a lot of the people who weren't born there and moved there, like they miss how it was when they moved there. So that's like everyone ever.
0: Man, I don't know though. So I used to before CPC. I was at Pinergy, and they're based out of Austin. And I started there, I think, in two thousand eleven or twelve. And the amount, the 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 skyline of Austin changed in the last five years. It's I get it. I mean, of course, it's kind of changing too fast. It
1: is. It's all condos too.
0: Yeah, I mean, also like in BK, where you know Churchill and Cole Thompson uh, live up, like yeah. all those hills are being uh, surrounded by you know new hill, uh, new new homes, yeah. new builds.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and, so and that it's the it's the most expensive. This is a weird weird stat. It's the most expensive real estate in the United States, not on a coast. So you got to think about that for a second. Really? Like, okay, what 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 are the comps here? What are, what are we looking at? I mean, they're, they're Phoenix, Nashville, St. Louis. So it's not like we're not comparing it. To but it's still LA and but it's US. still growing
0: too. I mean, Tesla's moving there, and I it actually is. read yesterday. I don't know if this is true or false, but I think I I think I read it yesterday that uh, Disneyland is potentially closing up shop in California, moving to Texas. Whoa. I have to fact check that, but this isn't, a, Whoa. I don't have a computer with me because I'm focused on you, not I, I, other stuff. I appreciate that. But that's what I heard. That's what I heard. So anyway, yeah. so you grew up, picture perfect childhood. Yeah. In Austin. Yeah. And then what?
1: And then uh, I just decided to stay there four more years, well, five more years, victory lap. I went to, went to UT. I just, just applied elsewhere. Then it's just kind of the value thing. It's like, uh, okay, engineering, uh, pretty good engineering school, solid. Yeah. Did you always want to be an engineer? It it was kind of random. It was like, all right, I, that's something that leads to it. I had no idea what engineers did. It was like, I I know that engineers made a good living. so what, It what,
0: involved math. Which uh, is pretty cool. So you're a math Math and physics. You're a math Okay. Yeah. So uh, so are you first-generation oil field? Yes. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Me nice. too. Welcome. Well, thank you. Welcome.
1: Yeah, and it, it was kind of accidental.
0: Uh, you
1: know, senior design project at uh, at UT um Sponsored by Schlumberger. Okay, and um, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Was it was it uh, I go to grad school? Do I want to go find a job or something? So it was just kind of it was just like mildly interesting. It's like this is damn solid company, oil oilfield. Huh? I've never yeah. done anything here. What? Yeah, you know, I I know we produce a lot of gas and oil and gas and, in Texas, but definitely not around Austin. There's I didn't no, know. I didn't know anything no about
0: it before I started. I was like, okay, yeah. you just get gas at the gas station. I was yeah. clueless. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in Connecticut, so I wasn't raised around it, you know? And uh, You have an excuse, then. I, I didn't. I grew up in Texas. So well, I even if I thing. didn't have an excuse, I'd make up an excuse. <laughs> True. I remember uh, going—I still want to finish with you, but Schlumberger, um, so I got my master's in France, okay? And I, I moved to Houston, and I couldn't find a job for, like, six, seven months. And uh, I remember they're like, you know, I got my undergrad at A&M, and they're like, you know, utilize the Aggie Network, you know, like— you know it's a it's a family so i was right. like okay i'm gonna start i'm gonna start utilizing the aggie network right, right. so i uh i reached out to this uh this one um uh, woman at um schlumberger and i pick up the phone i call her and i'm talking to her i'm like you know i just want to let you know like I've, I've always looked at your company and valued it like love what you guys do like just pretty much like random bullshit and at the end i'm like yeah like I'm just really excited about Schlumberger and like what y'all do and like she's like okay all yeah, right maybe. she like hung up the phone and I told my dad that my dad's like you idiot you studied in France it's a French company Schlumberger I was like oh that makes more sense that's why I haven't heard back from her
1: yeah you know what I like doing is just just take it one step further just own the Texanness or whatever just
0: call it cheeseburger cheeseburger yeah just say cheeseburger we'll, we that's blue, I'm gonna start well it's better than Schlumberger blue, blue cheeseburger. So blue cheese. So, all right. So, <laughs> math and physics interested you. You still yeah. got your uh, PE from UT. Uh, it, it was mechanical engineering. Mechanical engineering. Okay, yeah, which so. is,
1: it's kind of like the liberal arts of engineering. A lot of people get that degree and just they don't know what they want to do. It's just like it's kind of a catch-all. You learn a little bit of everything. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I was like, okay, well this this sounds good to, you know, senior des- design project, and that led to a, to a, an internship and a job. Uh, full-time job in, in sugarland and it was um,
0: was that was that your first job oil and gas
1: yes it was uh, so just just moved to moved to Houston and uh, didn't really want to live in sugarland as a as a you know 23 year old so I get, um, uh, yeah. I, get yeah. I, I get it Yeah, I get it I get it I get it yeah uh, nice place though um, but yeah, as, as a mechanical engineer, is what we're on a uh, looking at uh, you know, LWD tools and why they failed. Mostly offshore stuff, and uh, it's just a lot of testing, mechanical design, uh, stress, uh, integrity tests, uh, you know, things of that. And nature. this is with uh, with with the uh, Yeah, blue cheese. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue, but yeah, sorry, blue cheeseburger. Blue okay. cheeseburger. Okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. And um, that was a, it. Was a good job. It, I mean, it's just like it's just a big ass corporation. Yep. it was a great job, great people. Um, but I, you know, it, it wasn't for me long. You didn't long like
0: long. you didn't like feeling um uh, uh not like the people are But uh, some people they they can thrive in in, in, yeah. in, in a culture like that Absolutely. where where it's it is so large and it's so grand and there's a a career path that's laid out in front of you because it's tried and true. But some people operate and flourish better at smaller companies. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So
0: you were kind of you felt that you would flourish. On the ladder, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. At, exactly. So that Schlumberger Sugarland twenty three. Yeah. You
1: go. Yeah. Um, so it was it was nice a good good salary good uh, yeah, good company but yeah it wasn't for me long long run and um, needed a little more adventure um, wanted to travel um, so I my decision after that was you know, quite literally I, I started researching what kind of engineer travels the most. And that's how I chose to go to get a master's in petroleum engineering. And where did you
0: get your master's from? Texas A and M. Okay. So I, it's, it's weird. So I the UTA and M. House I divided, heart divided. I,
1: I have no idea. It's just all jumbled up. I'm, I'm <laughs> just perpetually, perpetually confused about about, about that kind of thing. I, I am a proud alumnus of both schools. Good like for you. That. Way to play. Yeah.
0: That's good. That's a good way to play <laughs> your cards. So, uh, so after A and M, and you said your masters mm-hmm. in A and Yeah,
1: and I didn't even have to change industries. I just changed what kind of engineer I was in the okay.
0: industry. And
1: so the the main reason was like I wanted that. This is the mid two thousands when I was when I was applying, yeah. and thinking about this stuff like the um, oil and gas. I mean, especially uh, E and P's oil uh, the gas industry in the U.S., there's the, you know, so much development was internationally. Right. Uh, so the expat gigs were the, that was like, a, like Apex, that's a, a, what I wanted to do. That enticed you. I, I really want to do that. That was adventure. That was live in another country for years at a time, learning the culture. And when
0: you're early 20s, it's kind of, that's choice right there. Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, so I, um, you know, started interviewing at the end of, uh, you know, getting my master's at A&M and, uh, there's this, uh, subsurface consulting company, uh, did a lot of reserves and reservoir modeling and such. And, uh, um, they had, uh, majority of their, their, uh, their fees and revenue coming from Argentina. Okay. Um, their yeah, national oil company, their, uh, YPF. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, if I go to work for them, they did say like, you could get for, for us, um, you're going to go to Argentina, like sold.
0: Yeah, there's worse that, places in the oil field to
1: go. Absolutely, yeah. and so I was just so hyper focused on the expat thing. I didn't really, I mean, it was a it was a great company, but you know, it was it was a startup, uh, and it came with startup risk. Okay, and um, uh, so I, I was having an awesome time in Argentina. It was uh, not not the best spot. It's kind of the midland of, of Argentina, with all due respect to midland um it was Neil Ken.
0: we love Midland out we, there for you uh, Midland uh, listeners
1: absolutely absolutely um I go out there about once a month and always have a good time but it, you know maybe I like the humidity or something so
0: well no I it's get that, that. <laughs> I mean I'm, when I was at Noble I mean I'd get you know people oh you're going to Brazil it's like yeah but it's not Rio it's Macaé it's not yeah, like it's not exactly. like the glamour that people think no, no
1: exactly and, and same thing with uh with Argentina Every people think, Argentino, Buenos Aires, or yeah. or uh, you know the wine country. No, is is uh which is kind of kind of high desert um, had some rolling hills. Uh, the best thing going for it were you know culture people. It, it was interesting, yeah. especially for a for, for a gringo, uh, you know, an expat. Um, and it was uh, it was three hours away from the Andes. Oh wow! So I, that was a that was a frequent weekend trip um, between. Uh, sometimes you only make it for a day at a time. It's just ridiculously busy, but um, yeah. And, and my my job there was to liaise between the. I you know, talk about getting thrown to the wolves. Uh, typical startup, I guess. Um, li- liaise between the national oil company. They're doing a pilot project. Okay. For uh, some tight gas, and again, this was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, where tight gas was still kind of a new thing. We yeah you know, we'd been developing at that point uh tight gas, uh you know cotton valley pinedale uh that kind of exploitation All we've right. been doing that in the u s for for a couple of decades but it really hadn't that technology that exploitation strategy had never
0: really so you were a liaison between the the yeah. national and then um you the company you were down there mm-hmm. okay it, exactly
1: right. and and that was that was awesome that was such a good experience and um they just trusted me to do that
0: was it I mean, was I was straight was, out of school it was it was, normal uh i guess i guess every with them, not every. I, I hate using those absolute words like never, always, but a right. majority of the time when you're dealing with a, a with a a national oil company, it's always a lot of red tape. Yes, a yeah. lot of red tape.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they that was an internal struggle at at YPF. They kind of cycled between uh, being nationalized and being privatized. This was actually at a point where they were. Uh, they were still quasi-private. Okay. Uh, uh, Repsol, the yeah. the Spanish uh, kind of national oil company, had had bought YPF during a, I think it was a privatization uh, you know, a few years previous. So there's some there's some Repsol people there, yeah. and there's the legacy YPF people there. And going into their office, it was extremely well funded. They were extremely educated. It was they had the most modern technology. Uh, these were fantastic. Uh, professionals with every bit as much skill and ability as an ENP here. All right. uh, so that was not the problem. the The people were were great. Um, yeah, the the problem is politics. Yeah, as as you would expect. Like yeah. in everything. Red red tape. Yeah. Literally everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there were some weird conflicts of interest. Uh, I could never figure out the gas price, how gas was priced there, because it. It just kind of changed arbitrarily. Um, there was a formula, but the formula never really worked. Uh, a lot of the gas was exported to Chile, and that was based on... And the two currencies kept moving wildly with respect to one another. So it was it was weird. Yeah. It was weird, and I could never really tell if it was profitable. Okay. Um, and maybe th- neither could they. So how long were you down there for? It was six months. It's supposed to be a two-year stint. Okay. Um so a uh, small American startup um, uh, gets a, a two-year contract for kind of a you know, collaborative exploitation of uh, you know, a pilot project, this tight this gas pilot project, and um, it, it, um, it, it was going well, yeah. um, and then maybe some interior minister's brother-in-law got appointed somewhere. I don't know. I, I have no idea, but all of a sudden, the people who wanted us there were gone. And
0: was when, that like kind of like an almost overnight thing? It kind of was. Interesting.
1: Yes. And the people that were that remained did not have the decision making ability anymore to, to retain us and keep us there. Okay. So they canceled the contract. I Okay, is it's just like if it's happened within the US that there would be there would be a lawsuit, but I mean there
0: it's just get get your ass home.
1: Yeah, there's really not a lot you can do. Yeah. I mean, there's recourse but as a small startup there's just what are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we we finished up. There, there were some lingering things we we, we finished up. Uh, you know, had some uh, extremely good uh, business development people that kept that going as long as possible. Okay. But it, it was winding up. It was winding down. Um, and uh, so after six months, I, I went back to the States. It's supposed to be two years. And I, I felt kind of a little robbed, I guess, of that experience because right. then – we were talking about it. okay, well, I, I have to go to the and it was it was awesome, especially for someone who's never been there before. Yeah, and then the Andes Mountains, three hours away. That that was a great life, um, but I did want to go live in Buenos Aires and and go go work at the. At the big tower and in, in, in the capital.
0: By the way, I'm gonna interrupt you. I love how you pronounce the uh, the cities, and I, that's something that I do as well. Yeah, there um, you go. I take great pride in kind of being Euro. So yeah. when it comes to stuff like yeah, it's a uh, it's i uh, I'll take a I'll take some gessel. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I I get it. Well,
1: what 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 are the the, the French terms then? So we, we can have some cognac. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh,
0: my wife and I went over to France for our honeymoon, yeah. and uh, I haven't I haven't been over there for you know ten. Ten years, something like that, and I thought that yeah. I would forget everything. I went over there. I don't know how it came back. I was impressing the. I was impressing my wife. Yeah, she's like, ooh. I was like, cool. And I, I was like, asking for the toilet. I'm like, you know, we're yeah, we're using bathroom. She's like, oh my god, I love how you asked that. I'm like, thanks, babe. Yeah, exactly. So this. I actually <laughs> take pride in pronouncing things. Exactly, Pinot Grigio. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: so. There you go. There you go. Exactly. So,
0: so you're, you're so after Argentina, you come back. You're in the states. Then what?
1: Then the uh, we kind of had a, a pivot, and I, I I guess you know in hindsight it makes more sense in hindsight. I was still so technically focused at developing my technical ability mm-hmm. that I I kind of didn't worry as much about where the next uh, consulting fees would come from, and you know we again very capable business development people and had to pivot. Uh, so this was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. What was going on then?
0: So um, were you back in uh, the stage of the yes. same company?
1: Uh, yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Uh, at, at a, there's an office in Austin and in Houston. Okay, um, and yeah, just it, the, the world ends up uh, revolving around Houston uh, and, and Texas, obviously, especially with shale. All that capital that had been pointed to you know these dispar- disparate parts of the world and all that work, the shale revolution obviously pointed back to North America, specifically the United States. You know, you, and at the time. 2009, 2010. This was the Marcellus was kicking off. Yes, the Haynesville was kicking off, and um, you know, very creative using our technology or expertise to accelerate the learning. So we, we created these these big um, these consortia uh, where we we have you know, kind of like a like a core labs uh, kind of thing. So we we take uh, you know 15 operators who are appraising their own acreage and trying out this you know, in that 2010, well, we take it for granted now, but, but I mean, just the concept of horizontal well hydraulic fracturing, that was still very much brand new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, had not transferred into, into liquids and oil yet. It was just gas Okay. Uh, with, with some minor exceptions. So, um, got some really good experience going around and, and, uh, uh, sitting in, um, you know, these, these, uh, you know, all, all the operators that helped delineate these these gas plays back then Marcellus Painesville some of the Montney as well um, and and learn just just an incredible amount of you know how basically how creative you have to be to make this work and yes it's a lot easier to make it work at five dollars an M,
0: six dollars right. an
1: hour. so the price <laughs> bailed out a lot of the experience
0: uh, okay experiments
1: okay um, but uh, you know as we've seen that the, the if something works for one person, probably works for another person. And then everyone
0: jumps on that. Yes. yes. And
1: therefore we drive down the price ends up being kind of just a macro wealth transfer of institutional oil and gas investors to the rest of the world. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and thus we find where part, partly what, where we, we find ourselves right now. Um, so that, that was a great experience. Um, uh, the, the, the problem with that business model uh, at the company, it was Object Reservoir. Uh, what was the name of the company? Is you you do these consortia, um, and you kind of run out of new plays to do that. You kind of okay. you have to go to the next play, and it was great while it was going on. It was an incredible amount of work, you know, and 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 pretty good fees on that. Um, but you you have to keep moving, and that was that was kind of the it was, it was kind of unsustainable. Uh, so that that business
0: um, that business got it was unsustainable because there's only a certain amount of plays yeah, out there. Okay. Exactly, yeah. and,
1: and once you get to a point where you've got okay, we're delineated, we, we understand it, uh, or the industry collectively understands the Haynesville or this part of the Marcellus, whatever you're working on. Yeah. To some extent, then your work is kind of done. Like we can't, we can't create as a consultant. We can't accelerate that learning curve much more than is already done. Okay, consortium has fulfilled its purpose.
0: Okay. So that's kind of, so af, So after this, uh, after you realize that it's kind of, okay, well, you can only go so far because there's certain amount of plays out yeah, there. So yeah. then, so then what happened?
1: Well, uh, we got these one-off projects um, and try to get creative again. Again, it's, it's a startup that kind of perpetual startup culture. Yeah. And in hindsight, it was uh, incredible talent and really awesome technology and, Our own institutional knowledge was fantastic, but wasn't quite at that point where you could turn it into a sustainable business. So we we did these one-off projects uh, with operators in the aforementioned basins, uh, uh, big big positions, and it just uh, you know the it it was winding down. Okay, it it, it was it was time to to start looking elsewhere because it didn't have a lot of
0: was the writing on the wall for you uh, when it was time. Sorry, was the writing on the wall for you? It was time to look elsewhere, or is it just kind of like the uh, the um, someone informed you, like, "Hey, look, it's the project kind of winding down." It
1: it was on the wall. Okay. Like you could kind of read it, and, uh, you know, in everyone's body language. Th- those who knew more than we did. Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't see uh, the other early in my career, and I was not entitled to see the the um, you know financial statements and um, and cash flows. So. Uh, in hindsight it makes sense okay. uh, it, it, it was just it was just winding down so the eventually and this was after I left about six months after I left it was kind of uh, pieced out the the intellectual property was sold to I believe um, Halliburton and the consulting side got sold to uh, Weatherford and okay uh, Weatherford was attempting to recreate the Schlumberger Dcs that kind of uh, kind of subsurface consulting arm yep. um, and um, and and you know that was that but at, you know, at that point it already, I already left. Where'd you go? Um, I actually, that was a good opportunity. I was twenty nine. Um, that was a good opportunity to, uh, you know, in between jobs. And this was again two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yep. Um, coming off an oil price, commodity price crash, uh, it's a good time to
0: take some time off and travel. So you traveled at this time? Yeah.
1: Where'd you go? Uh, my first, um, my first trip um, was to Eastern Europe. Um, like well, Prague, I, I started in 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 Berlin, and right. I guess you know that's that's the that was you know behind the Iron Curtain the other at least the Soviet side was the, but um, yeah I I, had, I I was fascinated and still am fascinated with Eastern Europe. Okay. We, we learn about. Western Europe so much in, in, in American uh, you know public schools, we're and we're taught that because it's more relevant. Yeah. Right? It's more part of our history. Uh, the history of Western Europe translates directly
0: into the history. Yeah, because it's, it's about foreign policy. What yeah. are we involved in? What great wars are we part of? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that.
1: So I, I felt like I had some sort of, you know, like a pretty good foundational knowledge of Western Europe, and it's been... And everyone knows knows the most famous countries, the biggest countries, the the wealthiest
0: countries. So get off the grid a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just, I I didn't... Did you do this... Did you travel alone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's... I think that's a pretty cool uh, quality, the fact that someone's at... Especially at 29. I mean, at 21, I mean, you can travel anywhere by yourself. Yeah. But at at that age, traveling by... So how long did you uh, travel for?
1: That one was for two months. So I I landed in in Berlin. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the inspiration was, but, um, I wanted to do it by motorcycle. Uh, so I found a, a triumph dealership in Berlin.
0: Did you know how to ride motorcycles before?
1: No, I, I took a motorcycle safety course the weekend before going to to Berlin
0: on YouTube. Okay, go on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what the, the good part of this is, uh, Germany yeah. is maybe the best place to learn to ride a motorcycle in the world because everyone follows the rules.
0: Like, it's just so safe. There's no assholes on the road. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. There's, there's a little bit of respect for other, yes. uh, other people out there on and the road. And people
1: do look out for motorcycle riders in Europe. Okay. They, they just go out of their way. It's just, they're just more, more people who ride motorcycles just to get to work or whatever. It's just more, more part of the. Oh yeah, there's a little uh,
0: Vespa's. Then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So um, landed in 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 Berlin and uh, got got the motorcycle and yeah, I got in Berlin. It's a great city uh, for, for a while, but I, I wanted to travel. I used that as my jumping off point to Eastern Europe uh, and, and and went uh, and. There are some of these countries would actually take offense to being called Eastern Europe. And that's that's a discussion for another day. Went to Czech Republic first. So okay. Yes,
0: Prague. Well, don't worry. They're not listening yes, to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you're going to be okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Central Europe. Okay. Uh, but yeah, previously behind the Iron Curtain. Okay. Um, and uh, so Czech Republic, went to Prague, but I, I was really interested in, in rural um the, just just the, the small towns
0: and the lifestyles and, out and there the unesco yeah. sites
1: and everything so i actually spent more time in the czech countryside um than than actually in the cities uh so prague was just i mean just, it's a wonderful city it is it is crawling with
0: tourists it, and it's a city it is it's just like it's just like uh, going to any major like yeah. london yeah. i mean it's just like okay mm-hmm. i get it i mean it's new york with an accent Exactly. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but the same feel. It's a, yeah. it's a major city, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I was really interested. It's just so exotic seeing small towns in Eastern Europe. That's what really attracted me.
0: Did you, did you eat any, like, uh, interesting foods over there? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, my, one of my favorite meals was in, um, I forget the name of the, of the city, but uh, it's directly south of Prague, about an hour and a half. Um, and it is this, uh, it's a UNESCO site. It's a wonderfully, uh, Chesky Krumlov. That's, that's what it's called. Oh Chesky, yeah. Che- no idea. <laughs> Chesky no idea. Krumlov. Okay. Um, the first night there, I just sat down and th- there weren't very many tourists there. What tourists were there were day trippers from Prague and at night everyone leaves. We'd go back to Prague. And then there's only locals there and okay. people just staying there because I had my own transportation. I could stay there. And I just went to what looked like a pub. Um and there are these called Pivovar, the the
0: breweries brew pubs yeah it's
1: just there's just nothing but
0: isn't that beer pivo yes p-i-v-o-t yes yes that's the euro side of me go on
1: exactly (laughs) um and and a good good texas tradition of uh of of czech folks here who and so actually you go to you to some parts of texas and ask for a pivo they know exactly what yeah no i mean
0: texas texas was settled by a lot of czech people yeah Yeah, around like waco area and all that yeah absolutely um so i i ordered something on the menu it wasn't in english did you know what it was
1: I, I asked and the 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 waitress who's also the the owner that's that's what's nice is that the it's the family that runs the the brew pub where you go eat okay. we or you know eight different types of Pilsner and um so I was just like what what should I get um sorry it was in english but it's very poorly translated I was like what what do I get here at, guide me yeah guide I was me. like well yeah, how about some how about some pheasant it's like okay cool yeah i'll, I'll do some pheasant. so um, came out and I was like, man, this is, this is delicious. Is it, what, what is, what is that? I huh? Shotgun shot. Ooh. Um, from, it was just freshly killed, I guess, that afternoon. I, I don't, I don't know. And that's
0: I, something that the Heights is doing too. It's very field to <laughs> yeah. table. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, exactly. Like, oh, it's authentic. Very field to table. Yeah, well, farm to table. Uh, yeah.
1: Exactly. So that, you know, those, um. It, it's still it's still a thing in, in Central Europe. It's a big Austrian tradition too, and, and Central European tradition, you know, hunting, um, it, what your wild game. So it, it was uh, it was a free range pheasant that I had for dinner, with delicious Pilsner uh, and, and Germanic sides, you know, potato. Salad and,
0: and I know, love it. Slaw, yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. The yes. good
1: stuff, yeah, exactly. Very
0: good, exactly. Yeah,
1: so you've heard of the Sudetenland, right? When, like, the world, so this is part of
0: first off, of course, I have, but why don't you explain it to the listeners out there who haven't heard of it? Go,
1: okay. So, when uh, World War II started, uh, Nazi Germany annexed the Sudetenland, which is a the more, the most Germanic part
0: of the Czech Republic. That still grinds my gears. Go on. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, 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 exactly. Yes, it still good, pisses good, me off to good this term. day. So, um, uh, the the culture there is still somewhat somewhat Germanic. It, okay. It still has, has that influence. It's it is Czech, mostly speaking. You know, these days, although you, if you probably did the if you did the you know, twenty three and me or whatever, you probably wouldn't notice much difference. All right. Between. Um, yeah, those folks and, and, and the folks on the on the German side of the border. But anyway, so so that that that's also what made it made it pretty interesting. So um, uh, that that was the that was the border of the of the Sudetenland, and then uh, started going east from there, uh, which in the more traditionally Czech heartland, uh, very rural, very pastoral, um, and uh, you know Bruneau and so yeah, a bunch of other small towns, uh, lots of UNESCO sites that. No one ever goes to because they're hard to get to there i mean so and then from the you know eastern czech republic into slovakia okay uh beautiful mountains there and then into hungary uh went to budapest and then uh, stayed in budapest that's a wonderful city i've heard heard, yeah uh that that's that might might be one of my favorite cities might be my favorite city in europe okay um so awesome city and then from there went to uh i was originally going to go keep going south into Um, Bosnia and Croatia, but I had spent so much time in Hungary, Slovakia and Czech Republic. I was running out of time at this point. I'd already been there over a month. So
0: you're running out of time. What do you mean? Did you have a return ticket or did you actually have another job lined up? I mean, what, what, what what was it? Did you have a certain set time? Yeah. Return
1: ticket. I guess I could have changed it, but uh, I did need to go back and and concentrate on the professional thing again. Okay. Uh, What am I going to do? But uh, I was having such an awesome time. I just, Anyway, so I, I, I did more or less stick to my schedule.
0: You still got that bug? Yeah. Oh, what?
1: yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah,
0: definitely. What was the last trip you went on? I
1: went with my girlfriend um, uh, last year to... Uh, Pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we went to a, a wedding in Scotland. Uh, one of her friends was is Scottish. Okay. And then we went to um, uh, to France and went to Normandy.
0: Oh. Um,
1: and traveled. Uh, we got a car. No, no motorcycle this time. Car's a little more... Uh, you know, I get multiple. it. Car, cars more
0: thirty plus. Yeah, no, <laughs> motorcycles more you know thirty and below. There, like the rebel, the badass. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah,
1: so I—that's I, I, why I was interested
0: in your, uh, in, in your, in your French pronunciation. So. <sighs> well, merci or thank you, as we say. So, all right. So you're done with your European, Eastern European travels on a motorcycle. You come back here. What's next for you?
1: I go interview for. Um, a couple jobs and decide I'm not done traveling. So okay. I, I, at that point, it was, um, where did I go? That was Columbia uh, for about a month. And I this this was a couple of cycles of this. I was in Columbia for a month, came back. I, I really need to get the professional thing going. Oh, it sounded like some
0: wind. What was that, I mean, thunder? The, maybe maybe it was. Jeez. That wasn't the audio equipment here. That yeah. was external noise. So go on.
1: Um, so Columbia, kind of like, Okay, and the the responsibility thing hit again. You know, two you know, different. There's the, there's the devil saying, "Well, yeah, you, know, you can go back to South America. It's cool." So I I went back to Peru and stayed in Peru for a month, um, and then um, at some point, Australia was in there too.
0: What? Okay.
1: I think that was August. So we're talking about like March to August, uh, three continents and probably yeah five months. Four to five months solid in other
0: places. So March to August, pretty much like the entire like COVID. Yeah. Uh, COVID people losing their yeah. minds. March. Okay. All right. Yeah. So instead of staying in your house, you got to travel.
1: Yeah. Before. Nice. And then and then finally the um, the responsibility was uh, sort of forced uh, on me by I just ran out of money. Um, I know that move. I had to. I had to really. That was probably irresponsible. Maybe the, the last two trips might have been a little much.
0: Um, well, shit. and, and I mean, like, you don't count it with your dead. J-
1: true. Yeah. Very, very true. Uh, so, I I came back I was like, okay, I just have to. I just have really need to get a job right now because I need to get some be, roots settled, feed, feed myself, right. Um, and uh, and found uh, just, just started looking around. At that point, it's it's 2011 oils, hundred dollars a barrel. Okay. And despite the the kind of gypsy lifestyle some folks who managed to overlook that uh which i appreciated um and and found a uh found a, a really good uh, reservoir engineering
0: job uh at a company called Wapiti energy yeah, we talked about that before uh oh. it was, it's kind of a small we were talking before the podcast came on i mean we we're mentioning you know whether it's a uh, you know you know cory parrot jason churchill yeah. oh you know this guy you know jd Braddock, you know mm-hmm. uh uh, uh Derek Ingleson with a wa yeah, it, okay. it's funny how 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 small the world the oil field industry is.
1: it really is. You've got millions of people here, and you you add up all the market cap as depressed as they are right now of all the oil companies uh, that are based out of Houston and mm. Texas. you'd think you're just you're you can you can just kind of slip by anonymously, but you you really can not No, absolutely so not. this is this is actually pretty cool because it's like it prevents people from screwing other people over or or rather I guess mitigates well, obviously it still happens, but like, you you can't
0: do that in this well, industry. Well, that's, that's kind much. of what that's uh, that's a good point you had. I was just talking to about this uh, with a with a business partner, Terrell Clark. About this, it's like the only thing you have in this industry is your name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's it's so small and um and that's something that's been true, I think, um, and that's something that people I think should um, uh, realize and understand. It's like it doesn't matter what leadership what the always have your own moral compass and always have integrity because at the end of the day, if I met you and you were at a company that was shady, if they were if they if they dealt with their vendors poorly, if they took advantage exactly. of situations, I'd be like yeah. don't I wouldn't mess with that guy too much because." you know, X, Y, Z. Exactly. So, so, I mean, your name and your reputation mm-hmm. is extremely important in this industry and yeah. it's small enough where you, you, you're going to know someone.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and that's, that's enlightened self-interest and that that's, I, I, I want to live in that world where enlightened self-interest makes
0: people do the right thing. Yeah. Easier, uh, easier. But then I don't know. I mean, the majority of people I, I meet in this industry, they do the right thing. Yes. I feel like, yeah, by, by, I feel like, and if, and if yes. they haven't, you hear about it before. Yes. So, Reservoir, Wappity, Now what? Uh, By it, the way, I love how we're like thirty minutes into this and we're just getting through your
1: background. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fun to talk about traveling. So oh, I, I, know, <laughs> I know, I know.
0: I kind of want to go back to that. So let's let's get to where you're at today, and then we'll talk about whatever you want to. All
1: right. Uh, so. Um, summarize this as quickly as possible. Wappity, uh awesome, awesome company, um had, had had some very good assets and got some great experience. I only stayed there about six months. Okay. I got a a um uh headhunter uh contacted me and um it wasn't Micah uh so
0: Micah uh, president at the Energist. Yes Our old uh, round the rotary guest go <laughs>
1: yeah. on um, and uh I was talking about a, a you know a, a technical job at Jefferies, okay, the, uh, uh,
0: very very uh,
1: prolific uh, M and A firm, um, you know, investment bank, um, you know here in Houston, and it was, it was just a great opportunity to, to uh, I, I I didn't like the fact that I was only at Wapiti for six months. I, I didn't. I'm not that type of person to jump jobs. Yeah, uh, but it was. I so I really struggled with it. Uh, yeah, I,
0: I did, and, I, and actually, when I made this decision, what was struggling about it? Was it the people and the culture at Wapiti, or was it just kind of like a personal, like, well, shit? This is on, on my it, resume for only six months—that just looks bad.
1: There was that, but it was also like I felt like I made a commitment,
0: yeah, to my boss
1: there, yeah, um, and I'm I was kind of going back on that commitment. I didn't tell. I can, him, rel- I
0: can relate to that.
1: Uh, so I I did feel a little guilt, and actually, to be traveling back in it, I was tra- I was in Croatia. And Bosnia Herzegovina and Montenegro. Were you get the
0: Croatian bow party? <laughs> no, 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 dude. But I know what you're talking about. That's that. That sounds pretty pretty awesome. I think when things get lifted and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and oil prices go up, let's just do it. Yeah, let's just go. Yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. We'll do around the rotary in Croatia bow party. I,
1: I uh, told my boss I was taking the job uh, at at Jeffrey's at a um, at a hostel in Dubrovnik. Which is the that citadel? It's in Game of Thrones. That was the uh, you know the, the the capital or what they kind of made it look like anyway. It's that it's that walled the city. The Lannister
0: Lannister capital?
1: Uh, no, the uh, the. How, how are we how am i not well
0: there's the south yeah right? yeah the, the the big the main capital yeah the, the when the brother and sister they, yes they yes bang. yes yeah they, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah. No. There's, there's a way to sorry for that. sorry for the spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. for the one percent that's never seen game of thrones that loves saying i've never seen seen one episode so yeah okay so you're there yes and
1: uh i remember that that's where i told it told my boss um it was actually quite a memorable, memorable conversation. I, I didn't feel good about it. Yeah, I felt like I was letting him down, and I was—I was, I was not—you um, know—I—I'd I made a commitment to him, uh, so I, I, I really didn't feel great about it. But it, it was—it was the right thing for me, and you know, I—I I guess that's just how it goes sometimes.
0: So it's—I've—I've I've had some very—I've had two very difficult. Conversations in uh, in my career, mm-hmm. and they've both been leaving. One was noble drilling, love the people there, love the connections I made, but an opportunity presented itself mm-hmm. that I couldn't pass up. And that was a very, very difficult conversation. And the second one is, and again, like I was leaving Penergy, and I love the group at Penergy. I love the service, I love the people. I had the best mentor, Bubba Smith, in the world. That was an extremely difficult if not emotional conversation. Yeah. That, Cause it's tough. I mean, you're emotionally invested. You have a promise. You have like, a, a, a commitment as you said. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you have to have that separation for yourself and it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I
1: hear it. I, I guess a lot of people do go through it and then there's that. And the fact that you are having that moral struggle it, it is probably a good thing. That means there's, you've, you've got some scruples. Thank you. Um, so,
0: uh, <laughs> But also I mean another thing is uh, with that I mean some people are like oh like have did they counter offer or like have you know should you get it's like but it's not about the money at that point. It
1: it it wasn't and I, I felt like I'd already made up my mind okay. and I I don't I mean it probably would have been theoretically possible to go back and forth a couple of times yeah. and increase my salary 5% or something. But it's something. not about that at the end of the day. No man. no it, it wasn't. It sounds stupid to say but it's yeah. true. It's true.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. So I I,
1: I think I just when I, said I made made a decision, it was just like you just. just so you're at Jeffries. It. It's the right thing to do. You're yeah. at Jeffries. Yeah, and my yeah that that was that was uh fantastic. Just immediately, and this is 2012, right. in the middle of of uh, you know shale billion dollar JV, yeah, um, land and you know billion dollar asset sales, and it was just um just got thrown into the middle of that immediately. That the, the deal flow is fantastic, um and. I remember the you know, people get on the, on Jeffries and I guess the oil and gas industry in general for, for selling something that didn't come to, come to fruition. Well, I, you know, if I go back to those original um, you know, management presentations, pitch decks, the, the reserves, the, the economics we were pitching were all at $5 an MCF. And this is mostly gas back then. Um, and this is some Eagleford stuff too is oily. But it is a, a lot of gas. It's a, all those big Marcellus ones. Um, five dollars in NCF, um, you know, Wells cost you know seven million dollars you know for a four thousand foot lateral or All something, right. and it had it had four or five B C F, and it 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 wasn't awesome but it, it worked. Um, so the capital cost and the reserves from from a new well the, the the type curve, um, those were wildly undersold versus what actually happened and that's what crashed the price everyone makes that incremental gain all at once it's like oh my god you start running that same you know at, at five dollars an mcf well i can do this i, I have a 10 bcf well I you over six million dollars you kidding me i'm gonna just issue a bunch of equity or yeah. or, or, or load up on debt and just just it's go, not sustainable go nuts it's not sustainable yeah it, exactly so everyone was seeing that at the same time and it. I mean you're you're a victim of your own success but it's like playing the poker industry. no
0: one wants to be the first at the table
1: exactly yeah. it's just like wait a minute wait and this happened again it, it just, it's just this is 130 150 years of oil and gas industry we produce a commodity
0: yeah
1: uh, I mean demand doesn't move that much it I mean price has to reconcile any imbalance and that's that's what we've just been experiencing ever since um, the shale thing happened so um but uh, you know, it, it was it was great experience there. The deal flow was fantastic, Jeffries.
0: So let's get let's. I want to get to this. How did you go from Jeffries to co-founder and president at Triple Crown Resources? I mean, what uh, what propelled you back into the uh, the EMP? Uh, side of things,
1: so I I don't know what my expectation for for duration at Jeffries was. I, I knew I liked it. It's just just great great people, and you know, great it was, experience. Yes, too, it yeah, like. it, it it was it was a fantastic experience, and um, it's an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. It was yeah. a, times difficult and frustrating and and hard, but like the experience was, I, I couldn't have gotten that anywhere else. Um, and, and and great folks, and and um, you know, there's the yeah, just. The stereotype of investment bankers in general, yeah, I, I guess it's true for some folks, but I, I, I never really, I never really saw it. Um, so I, I, I had you know, nothing but respect for uh, everyone I worked for.
0: So, so you went, uh, so you've been at your current role as co-founder, and president of yeah. um, uh, Triple Crown Resources mm-hmm. for how long now?
1: Uh, it's been. I left in, uh, let's see, winter of
0: twenty seventeen. Winter of twenty seventeen. So it was still kind of yeah. we never really recovered since twenty fifteen. So it was still kind of in a slump. Okay.
1: It, so it was. And it was I, I left at a time when it was the end I left jeffrey's at sorry, jeffrey's Um left there at a time where it was the end of like the the just like the incredible flip enthusiasm. The flip
0: model, yeah. Okay. With
1: like the oily shales, especially the Permian. I mean that was like
0: yeah. I think I think I think I had a uh, uh, Cody Rodriguez the CEO and uh Mike Tesseri the uh COO of Iron Orchard they well, they said exactly they were like after that after they sold uh at Qstar it, it, the the industry was changed it was just different you couldn't get what you what what, what you wanted before so yeah. Yeah. that's kind of why they went the what this this road and yeah. all the thing so so I guess you're 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 in your position now um it's been 3 years mm-hmm. you said okay and um Right now, it's uh, we're, we're recording this right now in the beginning of September of uh, 2020. What's kind of ex- um, no? Let's get to that. What's what's making what's making you anxious right now about the industry? Uh, you know, moving forward. You
1: know, first of all, we'll get through the obvious, and you know it's it's um you know it, it's commodity price we're our 40 dollars a barrel here and, and within the last week we sold off from 42 uh to what are we at today 38 or something yeah, 38 and it's just three. volatility so um it, it's, but it's that's everyone though yes yeah true that's everyone true. though well, what's what about you though um that so my anxiety for the next few months let's say six months perfect is is that um this price is artificial opec is in complete control of 40 dollars a barrel if OPEC decided they wanted twenty-five barrels dollars a barrel tomorrow, they would do it. All okay. they have to do is make an announcement. Yeah, they they just yeah. It takes five minutes to crash. So that that overhang, uh, we we live in a world that pre-COVID consumed a hundred million barrels a day of of uh, you know hydrocarbon liquids, right? So oil, uh, condensate, and 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 some some natural gas liquids. Um, Right now, it's it's uh, you know mid nineties, um, and OPEC has shown uh, incredible restraint yeah. and discipline. Historic. Uh, Saudi Arabia is is like the they're 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 busting heads in, in OPEC over non compliance with their quotas. Right, and this is why we're at a. It sucks. No one likes $38, 40 dollars a barrel, but the fact that it's this high is because they've done. An historic job of over compliance on, on their production cuts um this overhang it's going to burn off so there's natural decline um you yeah, know maybe it's 2021 maybe it's 2022 but i mean this is it this is this is uh it, every day you kind of live with that 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 risk
0: that idea that something we, out of your control yes. can completely flip everyone that everyone's lives exactly
1: and and you know, our, our industry has matured and we did, you know, shale co's and in some parts of Twitter, shit co's, what we're, we're called. And, you know, to some extent that's fair. Yeah. Uh, everyone had kind of unreasonable expectations, maybe underwrote inflated price decks, maybe, maybe had, you know, rosy expectations. The, the, the underwriting was not quite there. It was, And it was, it was pervasive. It was like, I can lean on this. I can lean on it. And no matter how disciplined you were, your financial incentive destroyed any discipline you have. And that's, that, that was the 2015 through 2017 thing. It was like your, your incentive, I'm going to give you more money just by making more production. This is this is Wall Street, and and now Wall Street is saying, well, yeah, shale sucks. Well, like, okay, it sucks because the incentives we were given, yeah, and collectively given, and maybe maybe this industry
0: should have had more restraint. In hindsight, it should have. And that, that, that's kind of something you're seeing all over. Whether it's, uh, I mean. You're you're seeing a lot of that chatter on on LinkedIn, like whether it's like Mm -hmm. overpay this, overvalue this, over, you know, the reserves lied about whatever. I mean, you're seeing kind of a a come to, you know, a come to Jesus meeting right now in the oil and gas industry. Like you're not going to pay extraordinary amounts for an acre of land when it's priced at this much. I mean, you're kind of seeing like these management teams, um, executive management teams kind of getting stripped down, kind of getting uh, knocked down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I, I, absolutely and you know it's, some of it i mean there's a big gray area of of kind of relative um i don't think anyone purposely misled people but you get kind of caught up in the number one year incentive which we already discussed but yeah. like okay well i can't do anything because if if the conservative underwrite case is just completely uncompetitive you could not do anything for years uh, at least not in in, in in the hotter basins and then that's you know that's capitalism okay like, right. we, we get we get perhaps irrationally exuberant at times and and uh you know things like that happen but um you know it it's in hindsight it makes sense why, why we got here but the discipline in the middle of it to say no this is wrong
0: oh I mean, we kept going with it we
1: we, we kept going oh exactly. yeah
0: we kept going yeah we're the we're the kid with candy. It's like, I don't care if it's make me sick later. I want it now.
1: Yes. And
0: I. Evelyn. I do. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, I'm talking to you. Yeah, there
1: you go. Um, and I, I do remember, you know, let's, let's go back four years ago, like, uh, yeah, some of the equity issuances to go buy things at crazy valuations. It's like, but I'm being rewarded for it. Why yeah. would I not do that? Why would you not? Even if you didn't like it in your heart of hearts. I like I don't like the metrics here, but I'm being rewarded by the market for this. The incentive was there, so that's what was broken. That's and so. Where is the incentive going to be now? That's a that's a great question. Thank you. It's it's overshot to the other side. It is, and and this is uh, this is you know the view is pervasive. Like oh, we just have to figure out how to live for live at with thirty five forty dollars a barrel for the rest. of It was like, but they, okay, go back to. To 1870s Pennsylvania, Oh, good and old, like, days. <laughs> the old days. Great old
0: days. You used to get pheasant, check pheasant. There you go, man. There right, go. yeah. There
1: you go. Um, it's there's just nothing but booms and busts. That's all the oil industry is. So like, it's going to happen again. Yes, this is a, this is a slightly different reason, but every time it happened, there was a slightly different reason than the
0: previous right. time. Right. And something that uh, J- uh, Jason Churchill brought up. I mean. He, you're going from the mindset of, you know, punching a few holes in the ground and flipping it for, you know, X times whatever yeah. to, hey, we're going to hold on to this asset and yeah. operate it in profit. Right. So it's not living with $35 a barrel. It's like, no, how do we turn profit on $35? Yeah. How do we hold on to this asset? Because we're not flipping it anymore. It's, it's, it's not the way it was in 2015, 2014.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're, we're all... Kind of uh, call options on, yeah. on, on oil price yeah. uh, with with you know with with different uh, you know, mildly different value propositions there but yeah like it it's possible to survive right now it is yeah a triple crown will survive um, we we're, no one's making a lot of money no but we're keeping Surviving. ourselves employed we're keeping the machine going um, and that's all we have to do and like it, it, this is just I. The, yesterday, I just saw something. was like, is this the bottom? That looks like a sign of the bottom. It was Jim Kramer. Um, oh, and all his... Uh, yeah, I, I got my sleeves rolled up just like... White shirt, whatever. Um, <sighs> oil is a perma-short. like, what?
0: If I'm... Like, ther- go,
1: go look. Go read the prize. Go read Daniel Yergin's book. Like, Go look at the history. Like This doesn't... That was... That has been said. Those exact words have been yeah. said. Peak oil at every bottom. Yeah, every single bottom for the last century and a
0: half. Is this the end of oil? Yeah, yeah. and, and it, I'm honestly so sick and tired of like those articles on whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's like oil could stay at you know twenty dollars a barrel till 2024, or oil could be at 150 dollars a barrel by 2021. It's like nobody knows. No. Nobody knows. So no. the external factors are keeping you anxious. What are you excited about though in our in our industry? In the in the short term,
1: so the you know this period of austerity. I mean, uh, like I, we we probably this industry did get overzealous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there 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 are too many too many companies. I'm not saying anything remotely look, original right look, now. Yeah, so. this is look uh,
0: but, a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of capital. Yes, get, yeah,
1: and so you know this is a natural cycle. Like, yeah, this is what we did. We we have to live with the consequences. We made this bed. We're gonna have to lay in it. Um, and, and, and we're going to have to consolidate and get more efficient. And the key word there is getting more efficient. Triple crown has like, this is not, this is not just service costs going down. We've gotten more efficient in measurable ways. So is every other company out there. Cause you have to,
0: it's, it's survival. A lot of people look at, you know, GNA as this, the, 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 the. I mean, that's kind of, that's a, that's a short-term fix. I feel like reason mm-hmm. GNA did a, So. You said you've gotten more efficient, not just through, you know, talking to vendors about potentially reducing prices, but like you have gotten more efficient as a company. Yes. As you said. I,
1: I, absolutely. Our, our uh, you know, our, our cat, We the things we can control, like you're an oil company. There's so many exogenous factors, things that like just completely out of your control. What can we control? Yeah. Those things that we can control, we have gotten better at. And those are long lasting. This is not just because price is low. We have made... Real
0: life permanent efficiency. And we're kind of in a situation where it's like we're, we're forced to be more efficient. Yes. Because exactly. if you're not, you're screwed. Yeah. It, it, you're going it, out of it's it. It's out of
1: necessity. It's born out of yeah. necessity. So this this austerity is going to be good for us. It's going to make us more resilient long run. Um, these companies, the companies that survive, will emerge on the other side of this as, as just hulks. I think so too, I, like just, rock stars.
0: Just awesome yeah
1: like good at what they do those that survive i, I, I don't know I, I, if this happens if this lasts for another year yeah i mean that's gonna suck that's gonna suck for that's a thing man history. like
0: i mean you know b- people are reaching out that i haven't talked to in a long time and saying you know hey jp how's things going how's your business looking i'm like man it's just you're hearing of talk stuff happening but just yeah. it just sucks right now yeah it does and it it's does. one of those things where it's like you put your head down you do your work you pick your head back up and in the past i mean you used to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel oh man q4 Dude, it's coming now it's like well shit there, i don't even know you just got to keep on plugging
1: exactly and and you know i'm, I'm 39 this is my third bus depending on how you define them but what's cool is is talking to the 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 older folks in the industry who, who lived through the 80s bust and, yeah. and, and you know the 90s bust and um and almost without fail, everyone who lived through that and was in the industry says this is the worst one. Yeah, that like, yeah, you could see some light, some reason to be optimistic, something that you could kind of anchor on. But this time, it's, it's it's different. Really hard. It's dismal, and you have to just be mentally prepared to deal
0: with that. And it like, you know what I'm excited about though. Like, I I, I agree with you. This is one of those things that's a game changer. This is not something that anyone's experienced before, but. At the same time, this is part of the oil and gas industry story. It is. And I'm excited to be sitting around, whether it's a campfire or maybe round the Rotary Virtual in 2040 and saying, hey, do you remember 2020, what it was like? Yes. I mean, it sucks right now. I get that. But shit, this too shall pass. Like, it's going to be different. So it's an experience live the experience yeah right yeah
1: it, it, exactly and, and and just get up and and do the best you can based on the things that you can control
0: and control and look at what you control yeah like don't look at the news and think oh god saudi's doing this or oh god the, the, the. focus on what you can't control don't get worked up over external factors right yes, yes
1: exactly and, and our job i'm not doing my job unless i uh protect uh, contribute to protecting my company from those external factors, right. I mean, and, and and that's something we probably all need to get better at is is uh, is hedging and, and mitigating price risk. Um, so I, I mean that's something that it, it's boring, it's maybe not the most excited thing, um, but we we all have to be very good at hedging, right? Or we have to be the lowest cost producer in the world. No one there's some really awesome assets. In Texas and New Mexico and the rest of North America, right. but we're just not going to compete with that. We're we're, we're not, um, and and we also we don't have the welfare state to support based on those revenues. But they can still, you know, spend uh, you know their their F and D costs, however you want to however you want to call it. their, their break evens on the incremental well, the incremental barrel. Um, there, it's just always going to be better than us.
0: It is. Have so. you have you shifted your uh, uh, don't speak to the company unless you don't want to. But have you shifted? I mean, when March um, happened, and oil got you negative know, thirty-seven. Uh, people stopped traveling. Have you shifted your, I guess, strategy? Um, your, 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 I guess, your, your, your lenses that you, that y'all put on as a company. Um, and if you have, was it easy to shift? It. It was
1: if for no other reason than we were so proactive about, about hedging. Okay. Um, we have a, we were extremely conservative. Um, we would, we would hedge in barrels before we, we brought up the rig to drill the hole that would okay. the barrels. Like, like that, that, that was how and it was very
0: regimented. Um, so y'all are kind of already playing defensively. We, we,
1: ex- yeah, yes, yes. and, that's our, a great way our, to put it. Our strategy was always like a hey, we can afford to go lower margin and give up some upside. Like right. we, we can we can afford to do that because that, that's the business model. It's it's um, you know we, we, we're cash flowing. We're, you know our, our 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 job is to is to slowly build value through the through the drill bed. I mean that that's why we were formed. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't. Yeah, that's becoming more common, and you know, especially in the PE world, you we know, we we we're not a lease and flip. We don't we don't do that. Right. Um, we have good locations that we like. We have assets we like. We have a lot of production. We have we have good cash flow. We need to protect it, um, and being very very prudent, very good stewards of that of that uh, of that cash flow is 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 important. It's like it, it is. That, that's the business is just protecting slow, steady year over year
0: and equity I, growth. I kind of feel, and that's exactly what Jason Churchill discussed at Petro Legacy. It's, it's, it's not flipping. It's, it's, it's maintaining this asset and operating at profit mm-hmm. for a long term. Yes. For a long term.
1: Absolutely. And even if you end up, you know, if there's a buyer who gives you a great, great number, next year or something well that number is going to be better if the business is built to do that yeah so yeah, yeah you have all kinds of incentives to just build it for the long term because I, that's what it looks like right now and I, I that's that's cool i we can we can do things that there are some things to work with we have to be creative there's no external capital it just doesn't exist yeah it, it are you
0: doesn't. are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future
1: uh so this next six months gives me a lot of that it, that that is anxiety-inducing. Yeah. Yes, it's this it's this OPEC overhang, this this compressed spring that could unload at any time. We, we've got a bunch of the shut-in production online again, so we don't have to worry about that crashing anymore. And the duck thing, everyone, the, not everyone, but a lot of folks point to the number of ducks right. we have, um, the, the uncompleted laterals, as just this wave of production that's going to come on. No, no that, that that that's not. That's going to marginally improve capital efficiency next year. That's what that's going to do. You're you're really not going to feel that. Okay. It's the OPEC thing. It, that, that is the big. That's the matzo ball. The big matzo ball hanging out there that can really, really uh, wreck our lives. But like not for long. Uh, the the longer we go by, the more the world, you know, aggregate, you know, production, the existing yeah. production, the existing ones right. decline. Uh, so, the, you know, the call on OPEC right now, uh, you know, they've got, what, five million barrels, seven, so five to seven million barrels of spare capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Libya is schizophrenic, but, you know, somewhere in there. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Um, so North America is going to decline. And it uh, looks like sometime 2021, 2022, uh, the call on OPEC to fill even a little bit of a pessimistic uh, demand scenario. Let's let's just say we were 100 million barrels a day before COVID. Let's just say it's 95 million. Yeah,
0: barrels. people are don't. It's five percent working from home. Yeah. Working from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not flying
1: as yeah. much. Yep. Uh You know, not not as much jet fuel and you know, all that stuff. Let's just say equilibrium in a year is 95 okay. million barrels a day. OPEC, just fast forward a year. OPEC does not have much spare capacity left at 95 million barrels a day because of decline. Like the rest of the world, it's not just the U S we've been the source of growth for the last decade. We're going to be the source of the most of the decline, but the rest of the world is going to decline yep. non OPEC. And because they, we have no incentive to grow production. So, um, you know, at some point, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I really don't. I wish I did.
0: If you did, you would be sitting here. You'd be on another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, be a, yeah. you'd be on a better podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, arm, arm wrestling Jim Cramer or something. um, but we're, OPEC is not going to have spare capacity. You're going to be at a structural... Keep that going. just in your head. It's like, okay, price stays where it is. Yeah. You know, rig count stays where it is. you know, Frack spread count stays where it is. Things can keep declining. This is where there's like, okay, $40 a barrel. Things keep declining. You cannot extrapolate this in the future. So, and then there, there's all the overhanging worries thrown in about um, you know electric cars
0: and solar uh, the, 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 wind turbines yeah yeah, yeah yeah
1: exactly and and i'm not no one i'm not against this. i'm not and against it either I, and yeah yeah it's just it's just gotten kind of crazy it's just like that's not a real threat like in the, in in the short term for some some better price it's not uh, because that transition is going to take decades this this shortage uh, that is going to happen. I don't, again, I don't know if it's next year, the year after, the right, year after right, that. Right. It is going to happen. Yeah, it, it is going to happen. Uh, it can only be solved by higher prices attracting capital back into the, the space,
0: and that will. Happen. I, I don't
1: know where that where that price is, but it's higher than it is today.
0: Well, I think I think uh, I think a lot of uh, capital or a, a private equity or Wall Street. I mean, they definitely have a certain view of the oil and gas industry right now, yeah. and I I get it. I get it. However, you're right. It it will flip again. I feel like, and uh, it, it will, and it'll
1: it'll be a. It takes some Twitter parlance. It it will be a face ripping flip, and it will capture a lot of people by surprise. And a lot of people will look stupid. And I, I'm looking forward to that. Really? <laughs> Based on the like the demise of the oil and gas industry. Oh, fossil fuels are the 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 perma short. fossil fuels are perma short. Like, good lord! I mean, like this is this is some very dramatic. Like, I I don't know. It's like why why not? People get ratings because they say ridiculous shit. Yes. Yes. Um, obviously not you. <laughs> well. You, I hope your ratings improve. I say stupid are shit. Are already really good. <laughs> I say stupid shit, not ridiculous shit yes. cuz I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you know people say crazy stuff cuz it
0: gets it gets it gets headline clickbait. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, people it, click it, on that. It's
1: clickbait. No like the the boring nuanced view that's in the middle never gets any traction.
0: The like, rational, yeah. logical, yeah.
1: So yeah. so like I I yeah, I'm not anti-solar. Like, I would love to actually, like, what BP and and, and the majors are doing. Like, th- this is a market response that they are seeing. Like, this is their solution to risk in 2040, 2050. Yeah. These companies have to last yes. that long. Yes. Yes. They see a problem with terminal value, where they're stra- they they have some stranded reserves. They they can't predict that. They they can't. So they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge. I'm going to start doing renewables. Like that's that's rational. They're still going to produce a lot of oil and yeah. gas. That that's a very like radical, like nuanced, like reasonable median thing to do. Yeah. It, but it's not like some extreme. It's not like oil and gas is the the best thing ever. We're gonna we're gonna be here and. In... It's not
0: an outlander. It's, it's 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 they're they're doing that for a
1: purpose. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because
0: eventually, potentially. That is some serious thunder. That is some serious thunder. But... Um, yeah.
1: And so that, that this kind of medium, I, this median, this like rational middle, like yeah. radical middle, whatever it is, where the renewables and oil and gas coexist and can complement each other. Yeah. Um, that there is still a massive oil and gas industry that over time, over decades, over a matter of decades, it has to happen this way. It has to. Yeah. The world cannot transition that fast. Um, that's where you don't really feel it when it happens over a decadal time span. It's just like...
0: It's just natural. It, starts, yeah. it's, 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 it slowly, gradually starts kind of uh, implementing it in everyone's lives. Yeah. Lifestyle, Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's not going to be a gradual, it's like, no more fossil fuels. Okay, well, it's not that easy. Yeah. It's not that easy. It's... it's Exactly. And there's, it's physically impossible. Yeah. It, it, it is. So where are you uh, going next? Where are you traveling next? No. <laughs> uh,
1: pro- probably just to Austin.
0: <laughs> stop. Stop. If everything opens up right now, the world, where where would you go? That's a good question.
1: I, there, there's some pretty good, uh, pretty good deals on airline flights. Um, I, I, I do really like Europe. Okay. So I, I'd, I'd have to ask the girlfriend wherever where she wanted to go and, and ask her input. She's probably... 60 percent of the input there's but um yeah i'd I'd like to go back to europe
0: my wife and i were talking about doing a little castle tour in germany nice yeah i mean apparently that's a thing it is we're just like kind of like bullshit and i was like oh what about a castle tour but apparently there's a castle road in germany yeah you go to like nine like i don't know 70 castles or something like that anyway man i want to wrap this up man we got some uh we got some uh uh, some wine open some steaks to have in a little bit but uh first off i want to thank you for coming on is there anything that you'd like to uh tell the audience or give a message to the audience that are listening or maybe something that i haven't brought up that you'd like to to chime in on
1: you know um it, i i like the idea of of the radical middle like just this nuanced this like you know it's not an extreme view this like like let, let let's let's just be comfortable. That's God serious thunder.
0: Oh, we just lost a little power in the studio, but we're okay. We're okay. safe.
1: Um, you know th- that's that's true with with everything, and um, you know it's never as good or as bad as the extremes might make it seem. And uh, right now, it's easy to look at the look at the bad. Yeah. Um, now it, it,
0: it's, it's and that's just not our industry, man. You get a lot of bad with everything. I don't even look at the news anymore. I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just—it's just. No matter what you look at, it's all negative. Yeah. So it's like, it what's the point of that? Might as well focus on what's in your house. Right.
1: We you can know? we can eat. Uh, generally speaking, yep. I'm grateful for that. I yep. have a good house. <laughs> Uh, No, no one's making a lot of money right now, but our basic needs are met. Basic needs are met. our lifestyle is better than 98% of the rest of the world here.
0: We have our friends that we should should call on more.
1: Yes. This is is a pretty good life, and our industry is not doing great right now, but there's uh, there's still reasons to be. Um, Reasons to... To enjoy things,
0: absolutely. Let's go do that with some steaks. I have, I agree. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you uh, very much for coming on, and uh, I kind of like it where this uh, podcast went. Yeah. Um, we didn't stick to the script. Actually, we missed probably about seventy percent of the points, but <laughs> I enjoyed the conversation. Let's get you back on. But again, everyone, this is uh, Ryan Keyes the uh, the co-founder and president of Triple Crown Resources. And if you have any questions for him or myself, you can reach us at uh, w. Uh, no, not w. That's uh, the you can reach that round the rotary at Cap. Petro.com. Again, it's round the roadie at cap petro.com. Ryan, thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been it's been a been a pleasure. It's been fun, man. All right, let's go get some steaks, buddy. All right, let's All go. right. we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.